Hello, this is Deb from Deb's Data Dojo, part of the Calling All Beings Podcast Network. Today, I have my guest, who is Les Velez, the co-founder and chairman of the Board of Opus, the organization for paranormal understanding and support. Opus provides support to experiencers of high strangeness and the paranormal. He is also a founding member of the UAP Medical Coalition, a businessman, and author of The Unknown Other, The Existential Proposition of Alien Contact. Welcome, Liz. Hey, Deb. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It's very exciting to get to see you in this light because we, for those who are unaware, have been working together for some time. Um, but today it's all about you. <laughs> so I, I guess I would like to start with what brought you to co-founding Opus? I know that might be a big question that might take a while to answer, but I, I'm really curious what led you down that path? Yeah, if, to answer that question, you'd have to back up in my life uh, quite a ways. Uh, when I was 11 years old, uh, living in Connecticut, uh, I saw this object uh, slowly, silently uh, moving over a tree line, and it scared the hell out of me. And I ran in a house and tried to get my father to come out to take a look at this thing with me. And by the time I convinced him to do that, uh, the object was gone. Uh, and he said, well, it's probably just a beacon of light reflecting off a cloud. And I, <laughs> I didn't buy that and uh, went to the library soon thereafter and uh, picked up some books by George Adamski um, at that time, who was the big, big uh, celebrity in the UFO field. And uh, his books were just incredible to me. And so I really got interested in the UFO phenomena. And, uh, but then, you know, life got in the way, uh, uh, you know, I guess uh, girls got to be a little bit more important in my life. And, uh, I, I, you know, I graduated from high school, went off to college, University of Vermont. And uh, uh, while I was there, I was also in the ROTC, uh, the Reserve Officer Training Corps. And I was uh, commissioned a uh, second lieutenant in the field artillery. And uh, uh, right, right around the graduation time, I got married uh, and uh, uh, moved back to Connecticut. Uh, and. Uh, raised a family there, and in 1985, uh, moved out to California. And uh, I picked up the, the, the paper one day, and um, the San Jose Mercury News, and uh, as it is called back in those days, now it's just the Mercury News, um, Stanton Freeman was gonna talk about UFOs and the government cover-up at San Jose City College. And uh, it was like a, a, somebody threw a switch. I had kind of forgotten about the whole UFO thing, uh, for that period of time. And then when I read that article, I said, oh, I've got to go see this guy. And so I went expecting to see a handful of people and uh, the auditorium was packed. He, he did an incredible lecture. And on my way out, uh, there was a, an organization called MUFON that had a table there in the foyer. Uh, and they were talking about their monthly journal that they, they produce. And uh, talking about UFOs and the investigation surrounding those sightings. And so I decided, okay, I'm gonna pick up the journal. And, and so I did. And after a while, the, for me, it wasn't enough. I, I needed to get more involved. And so they have a field investigator training uh, course that you can take. And I took it and I passed and became a field investigator. And 
almost without exception, the cases that I I got involved with were not only sightings, but people were telling me that they had contact with non-human intelligences. And that kind of blew my mind because I, I, my window of believability was rather narrow back in those days. And uh, so um, it, um, you know, it uh, started to widen substantially after listening to, you know, uh, some people and then having all these people tell very similar stories, I'm saying, well, they all can't be crazy. And they they all can't be, you know, telling lies. I I think that there is something going on here. And uh, I would get questions from the people about, you know, do you know of other people having similar experiences? And I said, yes, I do. And I started to start to facilitate a support group in San Jose. And so that's where things really got interesting. And uh, <clears throat> that kind of gives you the, 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 the maybe a somewhat shortened version of how I got involved <laughs> with, with all of this. And one day I was approached uh, by a newspaper writer for the uh, Monterey Coast Weekly uh, paper. And uh, he had evidently contacted MUFON headquarters because uh, he wanted to interview somebody on UFOs. And so they, they gave him my name and he came out and we talked. And uh, so the article came out and uh, there was another woman that would have been interviewed who had uh, basically had some interesting uh, things to say about the, uh, the paranormal in this same article. And uh, she contacted me afterwards and said, you know, I'd like to understand what's going on with my brain waves when I'm in contact with these non-human intelligences. And so, I, you know, I, when I heard that, I kind of, you know, said, well, well what the heck can I do? You know, I, I you know, don't have any means to do that. And then she said she was working with a emergency room doctor down in Carmel, uh, California. And uh, that really piqued my interest because I have a doctor friend or had a doctor friend uh, Dr. Eugene Lipson, who was interested in um, uh, connecting with other doctors uh, that were interested in the phenomena. Mm-hmm. So I called him up and I said, "Hey, Gene, you know, let's let's go down there and, and you know talk to this lady and see. And she seems interesting." And uh, so we did. We went down there on a Saturday afternoon, mm-hmm. and uh, we walked into her house, and there was a picture on the wall. In this picture, she was standing on the back of a of a of a boat, a rather large vessel. And I said, "What's this all about?" And she says, "Oh yeah, that's when I was down in the Caribbean helping these treasure hunters." And I said, "Well, how were you helping the treasure hunters?" She says, "Well, I was in contact with the uh, captain of the galleon that had gone down." Wow! <laughs> and so that 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 started the afternoon off, and come to find out that she was extremely psychic. Um, uh, after a near-death experience. And so she started to tell us things about ourselves that there was no possible way that she, she knew us from anywhere from, at any time. And so we were just absolutely blown away. So we left there and we, we sat down at a hamburger joint and said, how can we do anything with people like this? How can we possibly help them? And that's when Opus was hatched. And then in 1994, we officially became a nonprofit recognized by the IRS, and we've been doing business ever since. 
Yeah, and for people who are not as familiar with Opus, Opus is um, providing therapies of varying kinds to experiencers, um, including um, licensed therapists, um, hypnotherapists, interpersonal therapists. Um, it's basically a mental health coalition, <laughs> you know, and I like to use that word because uh, that's what we're trying to do with UAPMC. Yeah, right. Um, and there are also interviews on YouTube. Um, experiencers that people are familiar with are on the YouTube channel. The link is in the description of this video. So um, it seems like it was just sort of like a snowball effect. Things just got bigger and bigger and you became more and more involved. Why do you think that you had that compulsion to continue working on this that we all who are doing it seem to get like what what is it that yeah. happens that makes our life change some people's lives unfortunately also derail but mm -hmm. but, but why does that happen with this topic yeah i th i think well first of all there's in any interest that i have in, in the topic so that you know keeps the fires burning so to speak um but at the same time there's been periods in in, in my life with this organization that uh, I've you know felt like okay I've, I've done enough I'm gonna I'm gonna back out but almost instantaneously when I start thinking that way I get a phone call <laughs> or I get an email and you know it, it pulls me right back in and, and so I think what, what it is is that this is this is what I'm supposed to be doing uh, and and helping people and you brought up and, and I thank you for that that the things that Opus, the Organization for Paranormal Understanding and Support, and the support has been a big part of our lives and uh, in, in helping people. One is that we do have a referral network of mental health practitioners and, and hypnotherapists. Uh, we also have an, a, a totally confidential online support group where we have over 300 people, you know, talking 24-7 uh, with each other from all over the world. I mean, we've even got somebody in the group from Iran. <laughs> so, um, but uh, it, it, it's really interesting to see that this phenomena is just not relegated to the United States. It, it is happening all over the place. And then the latest thing that we've, we've uh, instituted is what we call the EST, the Experiencer Support Team. This is a group of people that have had tremendous amount of experience working with experiencers. Uh, they don't have a, a mental health background, but they know enough about the phenomena that um, these people can act as a triage uh, group uh, to work with these people that contact us. And almost without exception, when people contact us, they want to talk to somebody live. And that's what this does. This helps th in that instance. I used to do that years and years ago, but it got to be too much. <laughs> I just couldn't do it anymore. Uh, where I'd be on a phone, you know, 24 seven. Um, but now we have a fairly good group of people that uh, can handle the, the amount of calls that we're getting. And we're getting, I mean, two to three uh, people a day that are, are looking for help. And so it's, yeah. it's pretty amazing. I think that a lot of people um, in the Twitter, UFO Twitter community are really gravitating towards these talk spaces that they've implemented lately um, because they're finding that the best support comes from other experiencers or people who just accept their stories. So they have the opportunity to feel validated 
and to just express what's going on. But mm -hmm. I wanted to point out also that Opus does not just deal with um, UFO encounters. It's um, all of the paranormal, which, you know, is really interesting because you're hearing, um, if you if you study this, that some of the trauma that people experience with, for instance, a Bigfoot sighting is very much the same as the trauma they would experience perhaps with a non-human intelligence that might be from a UFO. That's a good point. That's a very good point. And, and it's, it's been interesting because if you look at our mission statement, you know, we talk about spiritual awakening, Kundalini awakening, poltergeist activity. Uh, so in the paranormal, I mean, you know, that word encompasses a lot. And, uh, but it, it's, it's really interesting that over the years, though, the predominant factor has been the abduction experience or contact uh, phenomena uh that is gravitated to our site for whatever reason um but we have uh you know we have uh connections with other groups that uh uh you know that can handle those types of things uh even if we don't have that internally within our with our group because most of the people involved with our group uh, have the background in the abduction experiencer contact phenomena I have to use all three words because, you know, some people are on the negative side, some people are on the positive side, and some people are in the middle with regard to this phenomena. So uh, anyway, it's, it's, it's interesting. Let me clarify because some people don't know that the reason the word abduction or abductee has been uh, kind of exterminated from the language is that people sometimes say it's a very positive experience and they don't want to be considered a victim or right. they're just they're just trying to um reclaim some control over the situation so they don't like the word abductee right. so that, exactly. so so we've been trying to reduce how often we use that we've noticed that there's other some language pitfalls along the way in doing research <laughs> that we've noticed we've talked about how we have to use um words that are not going to attract a whole bunch of debunking sometimes mm -hmm. <laughs> when we're trying to do research. It's unfortunate, but that's how that works. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's, it's a factor of, of growth. I think that, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're looking at this thing more broadly and, uh, and that's good. Uh, so yeah, I mean, you have people like some of the studies that have been done recently and, and a couple that uh, Opus is involved with, uh, basically point to the fact that uh, the majority of people, like 70 to 75, 80%, have had positive experiences. Uh, mm -hmm. And that, that, that small uh, minority have had those negative experiences. And, uh, and that, that's an interesting you know, factoid in and of itself. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, these experiences in the very beginning are traumatic, no matter whether it turns out to be positive or negative, but in the beginning, they're all the same. They're very traumatic. And, uh, but then after, you know, so many experiences, people come to accept it and, and to be com more comfortable with it. And then when it finally stops, which it does eventually, uh, they wonder why it's like the Stockholm syndrome. Why, why, why are they not com coming to see me anymore? Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, I would love to go into some facts related to those experiences. But before we do, I do want to just um, make an observation that it seems like a lot of people who start with a negative have 
sort of a transformative experience with the overall situation. They they think differently. They approach things differently. Some of them say it's um, really broadened their view of, of life and other people say it's inspired them to do things they wouldn't have done before. So it, you know, I'm not saying that's for everyone, but it is something that I've noticed that it can be transformative for people. So I, I was hoping maybe you could share some of those um, data points um, with people because this is, you know, the Dubs Data Dojo is all about educating people. Uh -huh. <laughs> so what are some things you think people should know about experiencer encounters? What are some patterns that people are seeing? Is this something that's increasing? Um, one one example is that Linda Thompson was on um, my um, other show, Calling All Beings, which has DJ and Nathan as the host. Um, and she said that a lot of experiencers are saying that there have been about five generations of um, contact in their families. When yes. So, so what are some data points that you could share? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's very, you hear over the years that uh, uh, people that have been involved with the military uh, seem to have a high percentage of uh, contacts. Um, case in point, Terry Lovelace uh, was in the military um, and uh, his uh, cohort in that abduction uh, were in the Air Force. And then you have the, the, the indigenous uh, uh, peoples uh, uh, being involved in a lot of cases, uh, uh, Native Americans and uh, other indigenous peoples uh, seem to have a high percentage of, of these types of interactions. Um, and then, of course, it's multi-generational. You, you find that uh, um, uh, these people uh, that come, come to us, uh, when we start asking questions, you know, uh, does anybody else in your family had an experience? And, and then they find out that we find out that uh, their their parents did or their grandparents did or their great grandparents did, uh, you know. Um, but uh, this this is something that uh, uh, even uh, recently uh, uh, Gary Nolan and uh, his his uh, uh, understanding research, uh, uh, they found the same thing, that it's multi-generational. And so, you know, why why are these people having these experiences? Well, it almost seems like the these entities are following an experiment, perhaps, that they, they did, you know, generations ago or eons ago even. Uh, yeah. Some and, people think there's a psychological experiment happening to you. That it's not just physical, but there's some psychological experimenting that's happening just to see how we're, we're going to react to things. It's absolutely possible. It's absolutely possible. I, I think that uh, certainly I, I would freak out if uh, sleeping in my bed or, or, you know, traveling down the road and all of a sudden my car gets lifted up in the air, <laughs> you know, or, or, or gray comes into my bedroom at night and, you know, I, I would freak out, <laughs> no question about it. Uh, but then after a while, in, in a like, majority of cases, people come to accept it and, and they, they come to be more comfortable with it. So uh, from a psychological standpoint, uh, uh, you know, they're, they're getting uh, their feedback fairly quickly. Yeah, some people think the purpose of that test is perhaps to um, educate us in some way, to guide us towards an end 
game. Um, so I don't know about that. Of course, we we have no idea, but it's some speculation that people have thrown out. Well, one of the, one of the things that uh, most people uh, uh, come back with is a different worldview, um, and being that we need to be better stewards of the planet. Okay, we need we need to be better to one another. We need to be more loving. Mm-hmm. These are all wonderfully positive things, and. You know, I, I've always scratched my head a little bit, or maybe too much, because I don't have much hair up here anymore. Aww. <laughs> um, that um, you know, these you know situations are are, are such that uh, uh, they uh, they uh, basically are, are is it is it being uh, benevolent, you know, in a big way. Uh, or is it, is it uh, some kind of a trick that they're playing on us? Uh, is it self-serving in a way? It could be all the above, uh, I, I think. You know, I, I think that depending upon which group you're dealing with, too, uh, and that's a whole other ballgame. Um, yeah, I was going to ask about that. I wanted to point that out. A lot of people are saying it's many, many different things. Oh, yes, yes. I, I think that uh, just like we have here on Earth, we have good people and we have bad people. The same thing is going on up there. And it's not just, you know, all the grays are bad. I think you have good ones and you got bad ones within the, in that group or the mantids or the reptoids or the Nordics, uh, you name it. Um, we have, we have all different agendas, uh, that are going on. So it's very difficult to say that it's X, Y, Z and nothing else. Yeah. We recently had this conversation that, um, the, other entities, some of which we bump into on this planet, may be in the same boat as us, as in they've also been experimented on. And that's why we're encountering them cryptids, essentially. Cryptids that we're running into them because we're all in this like petri dish. <laughs> so I don't know. I It's so many things that are possible. Um, so sometimes I just try to fall back on the data because it's, you know, it's hard when there's so many things we could speculate about. So, um, so that leads me to my next question. Um, when someone is concerned whether or not they're an experiencer, do you have some questions that you go through with them to help them identify whether or not that might be the case? Yeah, there's, there's a list. I mean, my God, I've seen lists as long as 84 questions uh, that you could ask a person you know, if they answer the majority of these questions, then yeah, you probably have had an experience. But the bottom line is that a lot of it is very similar. And, and, uh, you know, you, you come back with marks on your body, for instance, you know, uh, uh, that's a very common uh, thing that, that occurs. Um, they discover uh, implants. Uh, and, uh, you know, the late uh, Dr. Lear uh, did a tremendous job investigating those types of things. And they found some very unusual things about them, uh, some of them actually transmitting uh, data. So, um, you know, and then, you know, some of the more classic ones are nosebleeds that you have, you know, frequently for apparently no reason. Um, and, and then a lot of people have conscious recollection of, of these events. It's not just, you know, after going through hypnosis, a lot of this is absolutely conscious, you know, or they, they wake up in bed and they have different 
sleep clothes on or or no clothes if they went to bed with clothes on. Um, or, so, I mean, there's all kinds of little hints about this, you know, headaches that, uh, again, for no reason uh, uh, that they, you know, they can understand, you know, what is happening. It's not a migraine, it's something else. Uh, so, yeah, there's many, many physical and psychological uh, uh, traits that go on. Matter of fact, I think I, I have some of them here. Like, so you have lost or missing or compressed time. Okay, that's that's a big factor. Audible tones before contact, sudden abnormal silence before feeling a presence, nosebleeds, as I said, unusual marks on the body. I talked about puncture marks, triangular marks, dots. Uh, surgery, implants, paralysis, uh, recurring headaches, eye and vision issues, moving through a window or solid matter. Well, that would certainly wake you up. <laughs> going, going. Yeah, I have, I've been I've been researching that rabbit hole, by the way, how that's possible, and I've come to some conclusions about that. <laughs> yeah, uh, another one is being taken up in a beam of light, uh, lying on an examination table. Uh, mm -hmm. is another big one. Uh, missing fetuses for females. Mm -hmm. And uh, Geraldine Orozco, who I, I believe uh, you either have or are going to have an interview with, uh, she's had multiple events like that uh, and basically has uh, mothered uh, these hybrid children. Um, uh, telepathic or psychic abilities, that's another, another big one. Uh, a metallic taste in the mouth. Uh, feeling of heat or sometimes sunburn. And a lot of that is, is attributable to uh, microwave energy mm -hmm. uh, that uh, is utilized by these beings uh, in a lot of cases. Right. And when you do the research, you discover even more things like um, basically like what's a, essentially a sunburn to the eyes, you mm -hmm. know, skin sunburns that are probably from radiation right. um you know some people there seems to be an excessive amount i hate to say this it's very sad but there's an excessive amount of cancer related to experiencers mm -hmm. i've noticed and then there's autoimmune issues um right. some people have gi issues you know and so the list is quite long but i think um what I'm discovering is that there's a really good chance that a number of people will never know that they were an experiencer. That right. the the memory um, tricks that are being played are so significant that you may not ever recall. And you hear these stories about people who have seen something and then something just makes them recall. Like it's like a sudden flash and they're, they're like, Oh, now I remember all of a sudden. Right. Exactly. They, they, something triggers it. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you walk into a room uh, or you, you you see something, uh, uh, you know, outside that uh, uh, triggers that uh, remembrance. But like I said before, there, a lot of these people have conscious recollection of, of what mm -hmm. transpired. Uh, some of it may be a little bit spotty, but uh, it's amazing uh, the amount of uh, uh, recovered, uh, uh, you know, experiences that these people mm -hmm. are having so why do you think it is that so often experiencers and i have a theory about this but i thought i'd ask sure. you so often these experiences happen when someone's either asleep about to be asleep or driving <laughs> you know i think driving can, can 
uh, almost be a hypnotic situation, especially if you're on a long drive and you, you start following that line in, in the middle of the road. Uh, there's been cases where people have just basically run off the road because they, they become hypnotized uh, on these long trips. But um, there's, there's basically two thirds of the cases have nothing to do with uh, bedrooms or going to sleep. Uh, they're, they're much more active uh, type scenarios that go on. Uh, but I think also <clears throat> that uh, um, those instances where you are in a bedroom uh, and you're, you're about to go off to sleep, I think it opens you up. Uh, you know, they call it hypnagogic and hypnopompic uh, type of experiences, whether you're waking up or you're going, you know, going to sleep. Um, and it opens you up. Uh, to seeing things, uh, uh, I've I've had those, uh, and lately more more so. But they, they've never been grays or anything like that. They've been regular people uh, <laughs> that I've I've encountered. So I don't know what that means. Um, you know, maybe it's it's the brain just uh, uh, rerunning something you saw that day. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, so what's your thought? Well, I think that you're right. I think we end up in sort of a hypnotic state. Like they, call, they used to have a commercial about driving, and they called it going to the zone, the car zone mm -hmm. when you're driving. And I actually, um, <laughs> I hate to say this, but I got in trouble the other day because I was in the zone, and I was just in the zone, not paying attention. And there's a law about moving over if someone's on the shoulder. And I didn't even see that they were on the shoulder because I was so in the zone, right? Mm -hmm. And I... I definitely call it like like my more meditative time, you know, when I'm driving. So I think it's the same. I think, you know, there's A, we're available when we're outside mm -hmm. in a car. Right. And, B, and B, there's something about our brain state is a little different when we're driving. And also, you know, I definitely feel those stages when I'm sleeping. I can feel the different stages when I start to fall asleep. Um, so I, it is possible that there are just kind of honing in on what's going on with our brains at that time. Absolutely. Uh, you know, th their, their abilities are, are, I think, quite advanced uh, in, in their ability to get inside our head. Uh, I mean, if we can hear what they're thinking, and uh, uh, that's, that's pretty interesting in and of itself. And then being able to communicate back in that way telepathically. So if, if that channel is open, then yeah, anything can happen. <laughs> anything is possible. And Gary Nolan has pointed out, of course, that he's found a physical indicator for some of these people. Um, it's also worth noting, and you mentioned this earlier, a lot of these people already seem to have another kind of gift. Um, so not all of them. There's definitely people who don't believe in any of this and have experiences, <laughs> of course. Of course, people who weren't even religious, nothing, and then they had an experience which completely changed mm -hmm. their world. But but some people have more intuition. I think we all have intuition to some degree, but some people with gifts um, are more inclined to have these experiences. Um, so I, I think that's really interesting. And Gary Nolan has noticed that there can be a tendency for those people who have the gifts to also have you know, the issues with the basal ganglia being slightly enlarged, right? And the caudate putamen, 
you know, all that stuff that he was talking about. But what, what I find interesting about this also is that he pointed out that he did this study and there was a couple in the study. And considering that two people are drawn together with the same condition, it makes you wonder additionally what might be going on with this. There is a book written uh, by a, a woman and it's called The Love Bite. And basically, it, uh, it talks about how, how we've been manipulated in regard to our, our mating uh, mm. and people that we do get together with. Uh, uh, I, I've never re uh, read the book at this point, but uh, now that you bring that up, I might have to <laughs> search it out and, and take a look at it again. But uh, yeah, uh, again... There's so many possibilities. Uh, you know, once you go down that rabbit hole, as you said, uh, <laughs> anything is possible. Yeah. My, my goal, though, is to never get stuck in one and just to learn everything. <laughs> yeah. That's how I deal with it. I just look at everything. I don't want to rule anything out. I want right. to look at everything. And I right. feel a lot of people That's who good. researched a long time have gotten to that point too where you can't rule. Like, there's something that gives evidence to every hip hypothesis. And that's, I think that's a good way to, to approach, approach this topic, uh, because, you know, the minute somebody starts telling me, well, this is the only possible solution and I run the other way. <laughs> it's just like, <clears throat> yeah, what do you know that, uh, is, is, uh, supposedly proof, uh, and there isn't any, uh, and that, that's been the issue. And so I think you need to be open-minded about, uh, you know, about things in regard to this topic. Uh, because I think uh, uh, if you if you shut down a, a, a particular possibility, it may be the the one that's correct. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny because I was just thinking that my least favorite hypothesis is the future human one. But I, I'm trying to rationalize it. If you think interdimensional includes time which is a dimension in scientific terms, then I'm okay with starting to think about time <laughs> that way. Mm -hmm. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, but, but it is hard, like, because, you know, there's so many different possibilities and we have a limit with our um, scientific knowledge right now. Even scientists don't know quite a bit. Um, they still don't fully understand gravity they don't even fully, well, they certainly don't fully understand dark matter, right? right. So, <laughs> and no, a lot I, of I, Yeah, I, I think, you know, these people they say, well, we can't go f faster than the speed of light. Well, but, you know, I, I think our understanding of physics is limited and uh, there's a lot to be learned. And obviously these uh, UAPs, as they're called nowadays, uh, are exhibiting some some technology that uh, is far beyond our understanding. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I think we have a lot to learn. And uh, hopefully uh, there's uh, scientists that uh, are open-minded enough to, to really take a look at this thing in a serious way and, and try to better understand it. And I really do think we need a lot of different disciplines looking at this. Um, so for instance, Belay's work with looking at folklore and history 
super mm-hmm. important for recognizing that this has been around for a while. Oh, um, yeah. Belay and Keel's perception that there's a psychological element, super important. I noticed that um, Keel also mentioned um, the poltergeist activity that connects mm-hmm. with this, which you know now is called the hitchhiker effect. So that's been something that people have been aware of for a while. Sure. Um, the fact that the paranormal in general seems to all be connected is something that I think a lot of researchers come to and uh, yeah so there's a lot of things we need to pay attention to and be aware of to get to the to the answers <laughs> oh yeah uh, you know one of the one of the uh, people that i interviewed uh, pam nance uh who does uh, uh paranormal investigations and one of the one of the, the uh, uh stories she told was about her investigation of of this particular mansion in the south and um, before she does any investigation, she does a very extensive research into the history of the place. And, uh, and she used this uh, electronic voice, you know, recording type of equipment and uh, was hearing all kinds of, of, of gunfire and people talking and uh, Basically, uh, what she realized was that this group was a civil war. This was civil war uh, people interacting uh, during a battle. And um, they, the people in the battle recognized her and made a comment about, what are you doing here? And they also made a comment about the fact that she looked dead to them. And so what kind of a, what kind of a situation is that where you can actually tap into the past? Remote viewers do that. Yes, right. Okay. And and then they in turn are looking at her in a different time dimension mm-hmm. and saying that she looks dead. <laughs> so. Well, it could explain some of our ghosts, right? <laughs> You know, some of our ghosts could be remote viewers who were <laughs> muddling around and we witnessed them. And that's kind of an interesting little twist on everything, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So. If anybody's interested, you got to go to her site. Uh, she has some fantastic pictures in there of uh, uh, one night she was at a place and this ship came in and uh, these entities came out and she has actual pictures of this stuff. So it's, it's really, really fascinating. And I find that um, when you do a comparison of places that have high paranormal activity, like mm-hmm. um, poltergeists, you also notice a higher level of UFO encounters. And then, oh, I've yeah. really, and then I've noticed that the people who are, I would say the Bigfoot camp, they say the uh-huh. same thing. And I would love yeah. to see someone just put all of that information on top of each other and mm-hmm. show like how how many sightings are happening with Bigfoot and how many sightings are happening with UFOs and how many hauntings are being reported all at the same time. And yeah. then we're really going to get more of an idea of what's going on, which I think honestly, we're going to find out it's it has something to do with like the it's definitely electromagnetic stuff you know em waves everything is waves 
Um, the, the planet has its own geomagnetic fields. I think that when we look at that, we're going to just kind of be mapping out those waves mm -hmm. <laughs> where it's like higher amounts, <laughs> which by the way, I was studying the wave theory because of people going through walls. Ah. Yeah. Well, I think what they do, they disassemble you, you know, mm -hmm. in some way, uh, shape or form. And, uh, I was involved with a case, uh, where this young boy was taken through a window with his blankie and the blanket got stuck in the window. And supposedly, supposedly the uh, government came in and took the whole window out. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> How does that technology work? Okay. So I'll tell you what I'm thinking about with this. <laughs> Because it's really interesting. If you study wave theory, you find everything is on a spectrum and everything is kind of vibrating. Like that will resonate with anyone who's an experiencer. Vibrating on the spectrum, right? And that's either going to be sound on the spectrum or light on the spectrum or beyond what we can see on the spectrum or gamma rays. I've, I sort of skipped over terahertz because I don't know it as well, but that's the part what people at Duke University are looking at for manipulating how we see things. And, and that's on the spectrum. And then all of that is like these waves. And then at a certain point, matter can be made because of interactions with these waves. I don't fully yeah. understand it, but I know that they were talking about on the sun, there's matter being made. Um, and it has to do with like nuclear fusion or something. I don't, I don't fully understand it. But the the fascinating thing about it is researchers and scientists are moving things back and forth on the spectrum now. There, and that's how we're going to end up with quantum computers. So they're moving things from sound to light and vice versa. It's only a matter of time before they go. We're going to move it from, let's say, radio waves to matter. Mm -hmm. So if if we know that if we're aware that there's a possibility for that and are starting to play with it, it's not very hard for me to believe that something or somebody that's been around a lot longer than us has already been playing around with that. <clears throat> Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah. And then there, there's this thing called quantum tunneling has a lot to do with that. But what's scary in my research of quantum tunneling <laughs> is yes, some types of those waves get through the tunnel better right like i think it's sound for instance gets through better but some like light lose some of their content so if you're going through a window you better be really good at getting all that content through because i would be freaking out if they were putting me through a window and i was thinking oh they're gonna lose some of me when they're doing this <laughs> do not leave some of me in the other side of this wall well, if, if, if anyone is overweight they can lose some of the weight. Yeah, <laughs> going well, the <laughs> yeah that's, that's a scary thought. But I, I definitely have spoken to other experiencers who have described mm -hmm. that. And that's one of those things that kind of put me down the path of understanding how that's possible. Mm -hmm. And then I just more and more information connects to that with me. And um, I don't know if you're familiar with Bryce Zabel. He's um, a producer. He worked on Dark Skies. And he said that when he did a production um, 
show before Dark Skies came out, someone came to his house and told him that it basically is all about, you know, sound, light, and frequency. Mm -hmm. um, and that's something I've heard other people say. Yeah, I've heard that too. Yes. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I, that's where I'm like kind of gravitating towards. And it makes mm -hmm. sense because when you speak to people who are really spiritual, they're always talking about raising your vibration, which, you know, yeah. is like messing with your waves. You're essentially oscillating at a different level. <laughs> so, yeah, so much to think about. I really try to get like the, the nuts and bolts of things that shouldn't have nuts and bolts in them, but I try to do it anyway. That's how I deal with it. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> so, um, I wanted to ask you, since you mentioned the government in the window, what do you think's going on with the report that's supposed to have been out already and is now a week late? Well, I think that uh, they're vacillating about, you know, how much they want to put out there, um, how, you know, and, and when they want to put it out there. This has certainly been the drip drip uh, method of uh, putting information out there. And I think there's people within the government that are fighting it and others that want it out. And, and so they're, they're having those kind of issues right now. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I, you know, I think that the majority of people, if you tell them that uh, we're not alone, that uh, the aliens are here and majority are nice guys, uh, that they wouldn't have a problem with that. Uh, you know, maybe 30% of the world would, would have an issue with it. But uh, I think most of us, especially in our community, uh, would, would not have any issue with that, uh, you know, that uh, revelation. Uh, but, uh, you know, what truly is going on in there, uh, you know, uh, the only thing I could think of at this point is that uh, there's, there's two forces mm -hmm. involved, and, uh, you know, one week, one one side, you know, makes an advance, and the next week, the other side makes makes uh, progress on either bringing it out or suppressing it. Yeah. So I have another thing to consider on this. There are some rumors that they may have, as they were legally supposed to be doing, um, started to look at experiencers. Um, and human effects, right? That was in the NDAA that they were supposed to start doing that. So there might be hesitation about that part um, and some concerns about sharing that with the public. Um, yeah, and that, that could be a, a, a good you know, reason why not to bring it out. Uh, but it's something that really needs to come out. Uh, you know, one of the things that, uh, uh, you know, we need to thank Lou Elizondo about is at least now opening up this UAP topic in a big way. And then the next step is to talk about the abduction phenomena, uh, if you will, or the experiencer phenomena, um, because it's, it's part of it. it it's, it's a big part of, you know, it's like, who's driving these things <laughs> and what, mm -hmm. what, you know, what's their agenda? Uh, you know, are they a threat? Uh, and this is something that Lou talked about all the time is the fact that, you know, not if they're coming into our airspace and uh, causing 
<clears throat> issues with uh, safety for airliners and things of that nature, uh, we need to be concerned about it. And certainly we need to be concerned about these people that are being abducted, uh, you know, uh, uh, that, that still, you know, it's, it's, it's something that uh, they didn't really want to have happen, but since it now has happened, um, you know, they're dealing with it as best they can. Uh, but we need to dig in further. And I know the government is already, even Lewis said it, that they've, they've already interviewed uh, abductees. And I'm sure what it is, it, it's the military, because Terry Lovelace was uh, interviewed uh, by uh, people in the government. Uh, and they were quite, quite, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, threatening. <laughs> quite threatening. If, if I recall, didn't he say they had him do hypnotherapy and then told him it wasn't real? Am, am I mistaken in remembering that? that the, mm. wait, you know, it's, I, don't, I, I don't remember that, but uh, they know they, what they, they supposedly gave him was sodium pentothal. And, and and so, but he was able to to overcome it, and just basically gave them answers that uh, were not detrimental to him or his buddy, uh, and uh, so <laughs> yeah. Subsequently, he's he's had uh, uh, a regression done. And matter of fact, he is now a hypnotherapist. He he's, he's completed a course, and now he's. He's actually uh, one of the people that I recommend to people that contact us here in Texas. Uh, That's amazing. Yeah, talk talk to Terry, and he's also on our advisory board. Of That's amazing. I um I I have an interest in talking to him about the fact that he mentioned having an implant. Um, oh I yeah. Would, I would like to talk to him about that because it's very seldom that um, someone comes forward and. Talks and about he's got, got x-rays of it he's mm -hmm. got x-rays of it i mean it's 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 a phenomenal case in that in that regard because then when they they went to try to remove them they they did another x-ray of course to verify where it was and it was gone they had taken it yeah i would love to talk to him about that at yeah. some point because we're going to be informing the public more about some of these physical things um, yeah. that people may not be fully understanding about this, but this is the thing that, you know, people talk, well, where's the proof? Well, we have proof. We, we have proof. You know, we've got marks on people's bodies. We have implants. Um, mm. You know, it, it, there's, there's a lot of proof. Did you see the email that I sent you that Daryl Sims has shown some pictures of people had come to him with um, marks and triangles and things mm -hmm. like that on their bodies? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'd spoken to Daryl. He, of course, has um, also gotten a lot of implants from people to research. So, mm -hmm. so I wanted to um, sort of address the fact that, again, the government, yeah, they have looked at this, right? Um, some of them, perhaps with a skeptical eye, some of them thinking about other things that they're concerned about, like Havana syndrome, but I suspect we're going to end up eventually getting more information because we spoke to um, Jim Semivan and he is one of those people who has said the government is looking at his incident. The government wants to know, you know, a little bit more, but he can't 
talk about it too much because they're still working on that. Mm. What, who do you think is behind that branch of the government? Because I don't think that it's necessarily the arrow office. Mm. Uh, well, I, I think the CIA certainly or the NSA certainly has their fingers in, in all of this. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I'd be very surprised if, if they did not, uh, because they're they're chartered to, to look at things like that. Uh, and and so even probably within those organizations, there's probably a, a subdivision that is highly secretive um, and, uh, you know, trying to peel back the uh, the onion you know there's so many layers and uh, uh, and so many possibilities as to to uh, who is doing what to whom <laughs> mm -hmm. what do you think of my labs the um military abductions where essentially the people see both non-human entities and people dressed as if they are in the military when they are being abducted yeah, and and uh, Melinda Leslie has you know written about this quite a bit. Uh, her particular experience, and uh, uh, she's another member of our advisory board. <laughs> and um, uh, I think that what you know she talks about is the fact that they are trying. Our government is trying to find out more about the aliens through them, uh, through mm -hmm. her. Uh, and her experiences with the aliens. Uh, and uh, this is a way that they uh, have, have found, I, I suppose, uh, with a, a number of people have uh, bared fruit in, in some respects because it seems like it continues to go on where you, we have people that come and say that they've, they've been involved with a, a military type of abduction. Uh, and again, again, it shows the fact that uh, we are already working with certain uh, species uh, mm -hmm. here here on the planet, and and that's been said a number of times. Uh, you know, Haimashed, this uh, retired general in, in Israel, uh, mm -hmm. talked about that in his book. That you know, we're not alone; they're here. Uh, we got bases on you know the moon and, and Mars, and I mean. <laughs> <clears throat> the moon is interesting to me. I definitely believe, of course, that the moon land landing happened, but I do wonder why did we stay away from it? Like, was, like we went to Mars with, you know, the robots and stuff like that, but we just like never wanted to go back to the moon for some reason. So yeah. I find that weird. Well, what I find weird is that we've been trying to do that, go back to the moon with this rocket that, uh, uh, NASA has uh, put together and it still hasn't taken off. They've had all kinds of problems with it. You wonder why that's the case. You know, there's yeah, been, yeah. been video of uh, intervention and the Atlas program by UFOs actually shooting, shooting at the Atlas missile and, uh, you know, destroying it basically. Mm -hmm. uh, so <clears throat> again, more proof folks. Yeah, it just it makes you wonder, like you hear stories of astronauts saying things happened on the moon, things happened on their way yeah. to the moon, things right. things were visible that, you know, people can't see, um, that they could see when they were on the moon. Right. So, and then you hear these 
like I I don't go so far with the hollow moon theory and all that right. stuff along right. with the, like hollow earth like no I don't think mm -hmm. that's the case but I do think there's a possibility if we were to say non-human intelligence is hanging out with us that they would probably want to set up something there because it would mm -hmm. make sense it's a little bit safer right. we're a little dangerous so right. oh we're very dangerous <laughs> yeah I I think uh one of the things that keeps us from having full disclosure is just how dangerous we are. I think that if we were not so dangerous, they would be a little bit less hesitant to come out of the ships and try to have a conversation with us personally. Right. But I, I agree. I agree. I, I've had instances where uh, uh, people have told me about the fact that they interfaced with the gray and uh, they didn't want to be abducted, and they ended up ripping the arm off of one of these grays. And it didn't seem to phase the gray because, of course, the, the theory is that these are more uh, robotic in nature than biological, but it's some combination of the two. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm, that upsets me because I've said this to people that we don't know whether or not they're robots. And if you're calling them biological robots, that's essentially what we all are, right? We're all like, we have little automated systems in all of us. Like no one is sitting around going, I'm going to make my heart beat right now. You know, right. it's, it's so that concerns me because I've also said that they may have very different brains from us and may express feelings very differently than us. They may not even have the muscles in their face that we have to grin or frown. So, you know, you can make an assumption that they didn't respond and because they didn't mm -hmm. feel it, but it's very possible that they did. We don't know that. So that's yeah. upsetting. I don't know why, but I've always had like a weird feeling of endearment towards Grays. And I know that's really bizarre because there's been so many awful encounters mm -hmm. that people have had. Right. right. So I wonder what that is for me and what that means for me. But well, it's probably you've been abducted and you've had uh, good relationships with them. Yeah, it's possible. I know that there's been quite a number of strange things that happened to me, which is why, I, you know, I'm like, you know, one of those people is like, I'm really curious. Is there sure. there's so, so many people that yeah. don't remember things? So yeah. I, don't know, I had tough memory in childhood anyway. But I will point out one that Lorian Fenton and I spoke <laughs> about recently. She said a lot of children have a fear of something being in their room. Why is that? That's really actually unusual. Why would anyone be afraid for out of the blue that something's in their room? And mm. I was one of those kids. For years, I thought something was under my bed. And it, sure. I always like what it was, I always changed, but I would jump to get into my bed. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interesting how, how psychologically these uh, things affect us. And, uh, yeah, I, I was not really thrilled about being in the dark uh, when I was younger either. Uh, although then I, I got over that fairly quickly. <laughs> well, Les, I want to thank you so much for your time. I've um, really appreciated, especially because I know I'll be taking more of it later. So I want to <laughs> let you have some time to yourself before that happens. Okay. Thank you again. Hopefully, we'll have another um, chance to do an interview in the future. Absolutely. Um, You're truly an amazing person. I feel so lucky to have gotten to know you. Um, please let everyone know where they can find you. Sure. Uh, 
the best place to go is to our website, which is uh, opusnetwork.org. Uh, there you can find the kind of uh, assistance that you may need. Um, and uh, you can contact me through that uh, vehicle as well. Uh, we, as I uh, as Deb mentioned earlier, that I have a book out called uh, The Unknown Other and the Existential Proposition of Alien Contact, which uh, is on Amazon. And he also, there's a connection on our website. So if you go to our website, there's a, uh, a book cover there that you can click on and it'll take you to Amazon. Um, so uh, if uh, you have the, uh, uh, the thought of maybe helping us out, uh, we have a donate button there, which is always uh, uh, appreciated very much. Uh, we also have merchandise on our site too. So I think I, I held up a couple of times the Opus mug. <laughs> so uh, anyway, um, whatever you know you feel comfortable with, uh, we appreciate. And uh, again, Deb, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time and look forward to another one with you. Well, thank you again. And everyone who's listening, thank you for listening. This was Deb from Deb's Data Dojo, part of the Calling All Beings podcast network. You can find me with Cab on YouTube. Or you can find me at Study of UAPs, at LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, all those places. I never remember the whole list. And I'm really not very good at Instagram still. So I apologize to everyone for that. I'm just not, you know, obviously you can't see my picture. So (laughs) everyone take care and have a wonderful day.